This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, we're going to kind of tag on a little bit tonight uh, with what we were talking about last week. And last week we were talking about the power of God. We we talked about the availability of the power of God. And, and what we saw was that God's power is real and it's available. It didn't just stop existing uh, because times changed or whatever. You know, I had a funny thing happen to me a few weeks ago. I had somebody call me uh, from out of state that, uh, that I'm close to. And they go to a church that is a great church, big church, fancy church, great lattes and great lights. So that's, you know, great stuff. Good stuff. Good smoke machine and everything. Really great guitars. But but the thing is, the church doesn't have the power of God. They're good people. They're good people, but they don't they're not aware of the power of God. And so he's this guy calls him and he says, I was reading here in Corinthians and and I, I come across this stuff called uh, the, the gifts of the spirit. He said, what's up with this, man? No one ever told me about this. There's gifts of healings. There's there's working of miracles and prophecy. Man, I've never even heard of this stuff. What what happened? That does it not exist anymore, or did people just not tell me about it? And I I, I went into detail. Like, it still exists. Just some people pretend it's not there. Some people say that it it, it went away with you know with the the last disciples. And I, and what it came down to is this. In our conversation, I said, okay, brother, listen. Hebrews 13:8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus didn't change. If something changed, it was us, right? And and we've got this thing called the Holy Trinity, right? It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus doesn't change, then I don't think the Holy Spirit changed. And I don't think God the Father changed. If something changed, it was us. These things are real. I have seen them and I would not want to live a life without these things. I don't want to live a powerless life. I refuse to live a powerless life. I believe, just like Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said, I pray that you will be even begin to comprehend the power that's available to you through Jesus Christ. And he said, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. I, I pray that you'll begin to comprehend what's available to you. And that's the problem is way too many of us. We don't even we don't get it at all. And that's not putting down on us. We just we just haven't got it yet. And that's the title for tonight's message is this. The title is only believe, only believe. You know, when Jesus said many times in the Gospels, he, he would tell somebody, fear not, only believe. And I think this flies over our heads a lot of times as Christians when we say something like, well, you've got to believe. I mean, people say that all the time. Well, brother, you just got to believe, you know, hang in there, just believe. And 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 we're like, amen. Yep, I got that. Just got to believe. Thank you. Yes. And and the problem is, is that we're not truly believing in our heart. You get this, okay? You know, Romans 10 tells us that if you're going to be born again, it says you got to believe in your heart and stay with your mouth. It doesn't work to believe in your head. There's a lot of people that will agree with the statement. They will acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ was a real person. Oh, yeah, I get it, man. I, yeah, I believe Jesus, you know, yeah, I'm, he, he existed. He was real. But listen, that's, that's not it. It takes more than that. It says you've got to believe in your heart. 
You've got to believe and you've got to get it from here down to here. And sometimes people say, whatever this is, you know, 10 inches, that's the hardest 10 inches in this world to plow through. Because so many people, they mentally agree with things that the Bible says. Yeah, that sounds really good, man. I get it. But they never get it into their heart. And that's why way too many Christians are not seeing these things the Bible promised. There's promises in there that we're not walking in. And that doesn't mean, well, it just God didn't want you to have that one. No, I mean, listen to me. We can prove that very, very quickly that, yes, Jesus wants you to have the things he told you to have. He wants you to have them, but a lot of us, we're not getting them. And the problem is we're not truly believing, truly believing in the heart. Mark 11 up there says that whoever so saying this mountain, be that remember me, that cash and seed, shall not doubt in his heart. A lot of us. We're, we're, we're not getting it in the heart area. We're, we're doubting in the heart and we're just not believing in the heart. And so that's what I want to plow through tonight is this, is this 10 inch distance between mind and heart. Because it's time for us to start experiencing the life that the word of God promised us. Amen. He said, I mean, there's so many things in here that we have got to get a hold of, but it's going to take us getting it in our hearts. It's not enough to just agree with it in your head. You've got to get this in your heart or you're not going to walk in the fullness of the promise of God. And so there's obviously tons of books back there in the bookstore that could that could help us with this. But here's one book that I grabbed just to show you. Uh, it's called How to Turn Your Faith Loose. Doesn't that sound good? How to Turn Your Faith Loose. This is from Brother Hagen, and he shows you how to release your faith in different areas to receive the promise of God. But we have got to get this in our hearts where Jesus said, man, fear not, just believe. Your job is just to believe. My job is to provide the power. It's your job to believe in the power and to activate it. Amen? Because you don't have the power. That's that's not your job. That's his job. Your job is just only believe. All right, so let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into this tonight, and God's going to show us some things and bring us up to a higher level. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you that it is true. The word of God is true, no matter what people tell us. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open your holy word tonight, you're going to speak to each person here in the name of Jesus, and you're going to bring us up to a higher level. Show us things that we've never seen. Explain things that we've never understood, and remind us of things that we forgot about. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, everybody said... All right, so let's do this. Number one, the first thing we're going to say tonight about believing, only believe. Number one is unbelief pulls the plug on the power. The power is there, and it's just your job to plug into it and believe it. But a lot of times, listen, there's people, they pray a prayer or whatever, but then they fall into unbelief, and it's like, boom, they pull the plug right out of the power, and then nothing happens, man. And so check this out. I'm going to show you. We're going to get several stories in the Gospels tonight, several. But the first one is in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Thank you for your holy silence. I'm glad. Yes. Because the Presbyterians asked me to come preach down there tonight, but I said, no, I'll go to high desert. And it turns out they're louder than you guys. No. Let's look at Mark chapter six. We'll get there. Mark chapter six. All right. And we're going to look at verse verses five and six. Mark chapter six, verses five and six. And so 
I don't know if you realize this or not, but it is, it's possible for you to amaze Jesus and for you to astound Jesus. And there's two ways the Gospels tell us to do this, where you can just, you can actually amaze Jesus. And here's one of these ways. Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And so Jesus went to his very own hometown, all right? He went to, to West Nazareth, where he's born and raised, on the playgrounds where he spent most of his days, guys. And so he's out there and he goes back to his hometown and uh, and 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 he's praying for people. But but nothing was happening. Look at this. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And so everywhere Jesus goes, we see amazing, extraordinary miracles. We see the dead being raised. We see demons cast out and all this stuff. And so he's going back to his hometown where he grew up. And he's probably all excited and everything. And he gets there and and he and nothing's happening. He's praying. It says he laid hands and and all he could do was heal a few. And and he looked at the original Greek. It says people with minor ailments. So I don't know if maybe a few people had the sniffles and that dried up or something. But it was not the usual things that followed the ministry of Jesus. And look at verse six. It says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed. He was like, man, never seen anything like this. He was these people amazed Jesus, but they amazed him in the wrong way. He was amazed at how much unbelief there was. Think about it. Everywhere Jesus went, huge, I mean, historical miracles happened. Things that we read about today. The woman with the issue of blood. The paralyzed man coming down through the roof. We have demons being cast out. The madman of Gadara. All these things everywhere he went are things that we read about 2,000 years later. Nothing's really recorded here. He said a few, few people with minor ailments got a little something. But, but other than that, nothing happened right there. And it was because of their unbelief. So let's, let's, let's ask this question did jesus that day just not have as much power as he normally had no jesus doesn't change this was not a jesus issue this was a unbelief issue and a lot of times in our life we're like man what's going on here listen it's not a jesus issue this is it's not a jesus issue it's an unbelief issue a lot of times a lot of time not saying every time but a lot of times it's an unbelief issue and jesus was absolutely amazed at their unbelief. And the other time that Jesus was we recorded as being amazed was when uh, the, the Roman centurion came and Jesus just spoke the word and, the, and his servant was healed. Jesus didn't even go see the guy. And then the, the, the centurion says, just speak the word. You don't even have to go to my house. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. And that guy was healed at that instant. And, G, and it says Jesus was amazed at this guy's belief. And, and Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this, not even in all of Israel. And so if you want to amaze Jesus, either have really strong faith or be an extreme doubter. Either way, you're going to get his attention somehow, but it's not going to be in a good way necessarily. And so I've seen God's power work way too many times at this at this point in my life to doubt that it's real. I have no doubt about it. The power of God is 100% real. It's just as real as it was back then. It just takes people believing in the power. And so unbelief, it pulls the plug on the power so much to the point that right here, Jesus couldn't do any mighty miracles except a few, few minor things. That, isn't that incredible? That Jesus himself didn't, couldn't plow through their unbelief and they had Jesus right before their eyes. That, that is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And so we have a part to play. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 9. Okay, so you're in, you're in chapter 6. Flip over to Mark chapter 9. 
And we're going to we're going to look at a story here about a, a dad, a father. Mark chapter nine. And we're going to start at verse 20. And so there's this dad. He has a son. And it says that that this little boy is is possessed by a demon. And this demon, it tries to throw him into water, tries to throw him into fires and kill him and all this stuff. And so. The dad brings the boy to the disciples and they're like, this is we don't know what to do here. This is beyond us. But look what Jesus does. Mark chapter nine, verses 20 through 27. And so what we're talking about right now is unbelief pulls the plug on the power. And what we've got to get past is just mentally agreeing with. Yes, you have to believe, brother. Yes, believe, believe, believe. Amen. I mean, I'm serious. That's that we are so robotic about this that we're not seeing the power. You, you, am I, are you with me right now? I gotta get you on this. We can't just mentally agree and say, yes, the word says believe. You've got to believe in your heart. It's gotta get down here. It's gotta get out of here and get into here. So look at this. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. It says, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, well, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Whoa, whoa. You said Jesus, if you can look at this. What do you mean if I can? Jesus says anything's possible if a person believes. Whoa. Boom. There it is. Jesus didn't say anything's possible because I'm awesome. And yes, that is the biggest part of it. But he said anything's possible if a person believes. Because in Jesus' hometown, it wasn't, Jesus didn't, couldn't even plow through their unbelief and convince them to believe in him. Isn't that incredible? The power of belief. Oh my gosh, the power of belief is so huge. And so he said, what do you mean if I can? I, I can do this in my sleep, man. This is nothing. I've done this thousands of times. I can do this, but anything's possible if a person believes. And so the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now, that's a confusing statement right there. I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This guy, he had an acknowledgement in his mind. He had hope. He had some belief in his head, but he had to get it in his heart. He said, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen. You spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. Look at this. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, oh, my gosh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. The kid was healed. What happened here? Jesus got the father to get the belief not in his head. He helped him overcome his unbelief and get it into his heart. And way too many times we've been just like this guy. He's not a bad guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He was in a bad spot right here. And he said, Jesus, I want this. I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus said, man, listen, I can do this. I've got this. Anything's possible to someone that truly, genuinely 
believes. And we have got to get that in our hearts, that we truly, genuinely believe. And so once they addressed this issue, the power of God showed up and this kid's life was changed. He was healed. They cast the devil out of him and this didn't happen anymore. Isn't that, if this was your kid, would you not be thankful? I cannot imagine this happening to my child. This would be horrific. And I can only imagine how this dad felt after that. He was so glad that he got the belief in his heart and just got it out of it, got it into his heart, man. This changed his life. Forever. That is good stuff right there. And so I want to show you this verse from last week because this is a life changing verse to those that get it. Colossians 1.23 in the New Living Translation. Colossians 1.23. This this will change your life. Colossians 1.23. Because, again, I've seen way too many times where we're in church on Sunday and we hear a great sermon and we get fired up and we say, yes, It's going to happen. I believe. And we get so excited. And then Monday comes and we walk out the door and the devil knocks on the door. It's Monday. You ready? Ready to go? And and I mean, as soon as the devil knocks at everything that we just had, it is gone. And it's like we've never even heard that verse. We never even heard that sermon. It is gone. What in the world happened? We got excited in our mind or we got excited in our soul, but it didn't get to our spirit. And your man, we could go so deep with this. Your battles are going to be won spiritually. Amen. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and mights and dominion. OK, and so many times, you know, we can get excited in our soul But your soul is different than your spirit. Hebrews 12 tells us the word of God divides between spirit and soul. And so a lot of times, you know, we say, man, another souls are going to heaven. Hallelujah. And that's a nice thing to say. But technically, that's incorrect. Your spirit goes to heaven because your soul consists of your mind, your will and your emotions. Okay, and so, yes, it's fine to say, you know, man, his soul went to heaven. That's 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 fine. But really, it's your spirit that either goes to heaven or goes to hell. Do you get that? Okay. And so a lot of times we get excited in our soul when we hear a good sermon or a good Bible verse, but you're not going to win the fight with the soul realm. You're going to win it in the spirit. The word of God has to get into your spirit, into your heart. The Bible calls it, okay, Simon, same thing, spirit and heart, same thing. It's got to get into your heart for you to win these battles. And so, and so this verse here, Colossians 1.23 It says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. That sentence right there is that that's it. If you get that, you're in good shape. It says you've got to continue to believe the truth and stand firmly in it. Sometimes we believe it for an hour. We believe it for a day, two days a week, but then we don't continue to believe the truth. The circumstances come and we're like, oh, great. I knew it. Here, I knew it. Here it comes again, man. It always happens this way for me. You're not continuing to believe in the truth. And it says you've got to stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. And I've been guilty of this. I'm not too afraid to admit that I've been guilty of drifting away from the assurance that I had when I first heard the word of God on my problem. You know, I, I, the problem arose. I got to the word, found some, you know, found a promise and boom. 
room. I was in good shape, but then I drifted away from the assurance that I received. And, and then, I'm, you know, a month later, two months, later, I'm, I'm still like, man, I don't know what's going on here. I drifted from the assurance that's pulling the plug on the power of God. Jesus didn't change. The power didn't change. There's, you know, there wasn't a power outage. There wasn't, no, nothing, nothing like that happened. It was me. I drifted away from the assurance I received. And, and then it took me a whole lot longer to win the battle than what it should have taken because I drifted. And way too often, this is what happens to us. We've got to get serious about this and stick to our guns on the issues that we're fighting. Do you get that? You've got to stick with it, whether it looks like it's happening or not. You just keep sticking with it. And I'm going to make a statement right now that this this is big. Okay, this is big. If you get this, this is big. Don't judge the word of God based on your experiences or circumstances. You judge your experience or circumstances based on the word of God. A lot of people say, I know it says this. I know that it says, beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health. Third John 2. But it's not happening for me. So I guess that's verse. I don't know. It must not be real anymore. You're judging the holy word of God against your circumstances and saying that your circumstances are more true than the word of God. Wow. That that, you know, hey, we've all done it. So we're not making fun of anybody. But isn't that shameful? That we've said, man, my circumstances are more true than what the word of God is because I don't feel that it's working in my life right now. That's sad when it should be. I know my circumstances right now say that that, I, you know, I'm not in health and that I'm not prospering. But that just must mean my circumstances are a lie because the word of God is true. And that's what that's that's what that's the truth right there. Third John two is true. These circumstances are lying. The devil's trying to lie to me right now and say that I'm I'm not going to have health, that I'm going to die, and that I'm not I'm going to be poor and broke and everything else. That is a lie. If you are presented with anything contrary to the word of God, you are being presented with a lie, and you go to the truth to change your situation. Amen. But way too often, we've judged our experiences versus the word and said, no, man, uh, that's a great verse. It works for them, but not for me. You're saying that that your experience and your circumstance is greater than the word of God. It can't be that way. We've got to get this in our hearts. And so Colossians 1, 23, continue to believe the truth. Stand firm in it, even if people think you're a fool. You stand firm in it and don't drift away from the good news of the assurance that you heard. Amen. Is that, does that make sense? Are we getting this? Okay, so number one, unbelief pulls the plug on the power in your life. And the second thing is this, is number two, if you're going to only believe, you've got to let God be God. You've got to let God do his thing, man. You've got to let God be God. And, you know, I imagine this. You know, imagine you, you've got like an amateur basketball team or something and, you know, you're playing down at the, you know, the Cora Harper Fitness Center over there on Barstow Road next to the fire department. You guys go in there with your tube socks and your shorts and everything. You're ready. Okay. And the thing is, there's five of you and you've got this bench player named LeBron James. He's the, you know, he's, he's the best player in the world. Amen. Got our Ohio people here. They love LeBron. They love LeBron. And so we got LeBron James. And I mean, this guy could go out there and take on the whole other team single-handedly by himself. And I mean, you go around bragging people. Yeah, man, LeBron is on my side. This man has won titles. He's, you know, he, he can shoot. He can dunk. He can block shots. He can defend. LeBron can do anything. And he's on my side. But you get to the game and you always leave him on the bench. 
you never put LeBron in. And you guys keep getting your butts kicked every single week. And, you, and, and the thing is that you've got the guy right here. He is on your side. And he could do, he could go down there and make a mockery out of every fool on the court. He could dunk over the whole team all at once if he wanted to. And he's like, he's on your side, all right. But you never let LeBron be LeBron. You're trying to do things in your own power. And, and that's what a lot of people are doing. They're like, I believe God's on my side. God can do anything. I, yeah, he, he, he could do anything he wanted to do. But you never put him in the game, man. You leave him on the bench in your life. You never just put it into his hand. If LeBron James was on my team and I was down there at the fitness center, every time I got the ball, every time, I wouldn't shoot, but get it, get it to him. Get it away from me, man. I'm going to screw this thing up. Every time I got the ball, it would go to the man's hands every single time. Why? Because he can do it. He can do things that I can't even begin to dream of doing. And if I get it to his hands, I guarantee you, I'm going to beat every person in Barstow. Every, every, 100% of the time, right? But way too many times, we're just leaving God on the bench. And God, he's saying, hey, I'm right, man, get me in the, let me do this, man. I, anything's possible to those that believe. What do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Of course I can. Get me in there. But we're too busy trying to do it on our own. Well, I wonder if maybe I tried this. I wonder if I went over this direction. I wonder if I did it. Maybe if I, maybe if I, maybe if I, possibly if I, if I, if I, if I, like, man, shut up. Why are you looking at yourself for all the answers? You don't have them. You don't have them. And so anything's possible to those that believe. But number two, let God be God. And so uh, I'm reminded of this story in John chapter 11. So let's flip there. John chapter 11. Thank you, Dad. John chapter 11. And Jesus had this really good friend named Lazarus. And Lazarus had these two sisters. What were their names? And and so Lazarus gets sick and they, they send for Jesus. They send a letter and, and they're saying, Jesus, you got to get here quick. Lazarus is in bad, bad shape. And so Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus sickness will not end in death. And so they're thinking, okay, well, I guess we're going to get over there. And the disciples did not want to go back to Judea because just a couple of days before this, the Judean people tried to kill Jesus. They tried to kill him. And so the disciples, they didn't want to go back there. They didn't want to go to Judea. But Jesus, he says, he's not his this situation is not going to end in death. So don't even worry about it. We'll get over there. And Jesus intentionally delays two days. He waits two days later before he even goes. And during that delay, Lazarus dies. He, he's, he's dead. So John chapter 11, verse 11, uh, Jesus is, he's talking to the disciples here about what's going on. And of course, they're not chomping at the bit to go, but Jesus did promise that he'd get there. So John chapter 11, verse 11, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. He, he sounds so calm about all this stuff. He's, How many times did Jesus just tell people, he's not really dead, he's just sleeping, no big deal. And so the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. That's good news. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was was simply sleeping, but Jesus really meant Lazarus had died. (laughs) And so he told them plainly, okay, guys, Lazarus is dead. You know, he just he just came out with it. All right. He's dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so Jesus intentionally delayed here to get to this situation. He's like, I'm glad that we weren't there to stop this because now you're going to get a chance to really believe. 
And so you guys know who uh, Thomas the disciple was? Okay, we love Thomas. Jesus saw some sort of potential in Thomas because he called him along. But Thomas was called Doubting Thomas for a reason. And he was, he was a pessimist. He was extremely negative. Look what Thomas says, verse 15 or 16. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Ooh, let's go too and die with Jesus. Like, what a, what a rat. Why would you say that? And so he, you know, they're, they already, they're not wanting to go back to Judea because the people are already ticked off at Jesus. And so he convinces them, I'm going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. Let's go. And Thomas says, yeah, let's go. Let's go die with Jesus. This is going to be great. You know, rolling his, I can just see this guy doing this. I'm like, man, Jesus, I'm glad you saw potential in this guy because I don't see it. I'm not getting it. I really don't know what you saw in Thomas here. But, but so he, he there, he takes everybody with him. Now let's look down to verse 23. So he gets there and he's talking to, to Martha, one of the sisters. And, and you know, she's saying, if you had only been here, Lord, he wouldn't have died. But look at this. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. So she believed in the resurrection of the dead at the last day. She's like, I don't, I know he will rise, but when's that going to be? He'll rise when everybody, when all the other dead rise at the last day. But look at this. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And so Jesus said, man, Martha, yes, I, the last day, whatever. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not a powerful thing right there that Jesus, who ultimately was resurrected himself, says, Martha, you're not getting it. I am the resurrection and the life. He, this is going to happen. Your brother's going to rise again. And look at this. Yes, Lord, she told him. I or, Well, verse 26, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And so Jesus gets her on the same page. He's, and, and, and then Mary comes along, basically the same thing. <laughs> and he talks Mary into believing that this is really going to happen. And how many times are we in a situation where we're like, oh, if Jesus would have just shown up a couple of days earlier, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? I am the resurrection and the life. It's, it's not, I can... I am the resurrection and the life. Anything is possible to those who believe. And so look down at verse 39. They've got a crowd gathered at this time. And so Jesus arrives at the grave where, where Lazarus is, is wrapped up and, and, and dead on the inside. Jesus steps up and says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I'm like... Here we go again, Martha. Now we gotta get, we gotta get Martha back into faith. She's more worried about the smell coming from the tomb than her brother being alive again. I don't get this. But Jesus, you know, he, he ignores her. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? And so he's telling us that tonight. I'm telling you, you will see God's glory. You will see God's power. If you believe, you're not going to see it if you don't believe. You're not going to see the power and the glory of God if you're a doubter. You're not going to see it if you don't believe in this stuff. That's fine. I know a lot of people are like, well, I've never seen stuff like that. No, duh, because you don't believe in it. Of course you're not going to see it. I, I've seen tons of stuff like this, man, because I believe in it. 
I've seen cancer healed. I've seen crippled people walk. I've seen devils cast out. I mean, I, I've, seen, I've, I've been healed of cancer, all this stuff. I've seen it. But guess what? I believe. I believe that it's real. And so, yeah, a lot of people, well, I've never seen it, of course. And you probably never will because you don't believe. And Jesus said, I told you, Martha, you will see the glory and power of God if you believe. And so here we go. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it aloud for the sake of all these people standing here. So they'll believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Can you imagine witnessing this situation? Jesus standing there and says, Lazarus, get out of there. And all of a sudden, this mummy comes walking out, wrapped head and toe. And Jesus says, get over here, guys. Get him out of that stuff. Let him go. And Lazarus, dead for four days, is alive and well because people believed. If they didn't, if they didn't show up with the belief, Jesus wasn't just going to show up and force his way into the situation and say, I don't care if anyone believes, just get out of here. No, he he kept referring. And all throughout the Gospels, Jesus keeps referring back to the individual person's belief. Read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read it for yourself. All throughout the four Gospels, someone will come and say, Jesus, can you do this for me? And he say, do you believe I can? All right, then I'll do it. Several times. What, 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 what do you believe him for? Blind Bartimaeus comes up and says, Rabbi, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, okay, blind guy, what do you want me to do for you? Duh. What, what do you think he wants? He's blind. What do you think he wants? But Jesus was asking, what do you want me to do for it? I'll do whatever it is that you're believing for. I will do right now, Bartimaeus. You just tell me. Whatever it is you're believing for, consider it done. And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. So Jesus continually puts it back, puts the ball back in our court. He's got the power. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed, ever. Hebrews 13, 8, mark that down. He's never changed but he keeps coming back. Okay. All right. All right. Want me to do this? Do you believe I can? All right. What are you believing for? What is it you're asking? What do you want me to do? He keeps passing it back to you. And then it's up to whatever, whatever you, whatever you're believing for. And so many times Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. If you can believe for it, I've got the power to do it. If you, if you've got the faith to believe it, he's got the power to do it. Amen. And so that's why sometimes some people, it seems like they get these amazing miracles. And it's like, yeah, Jesus has the power to do the same thing in your life. He, absolutely. He's no respecter of persons. Jesus has no favorites. He didn't like them more than you. But listen, we've got to get to this place where we've got the, the belief and the faith and the absolute assurance that, yeah, not only can he do it, I believe he is going to do it in my life. And so Jesus keeps coming back at people. What do you believe? And so, you know, we're saying, let God be God. And there's this old quote that you've probably heard, but we say, let go and let God. So many times we're just holding on to it. And, oh, what you know, uh, I've been holding on to this for years and I, I, I don't know. Man, let go of it. Give it to God. Just let go and let God and let him do what he's going to do. We've got to give God full control of our lives and quit trying to do everything on our own, man, because you can't. You cannot figure it out. You cannot get to it. I know there's this phrase that that we hear all the time. You can do anything you set your mind to. 
I don't like that. <laughs> Let's get real here. That's a bunch of that. OK, Let's get real. OK, now there is a lot of power in, in the human will. There is a lot of power when and people, when they put their minds to things, have done incredible things. But you cannot. There are things that you, you can put your mind to, but you're not going to fix it. I mean, you, you can try to, to heal yourself through your mind all you want and you can't do it. You know, you can. I think I can. I think I, it takes more of that. Man. You, you cannot cure sickness just with the power of the mind. You cannot mend a marriage and a relationship just through thinking positive enough thought and just putting your mind to it super, super hard. No, it's going to take more than that. And there's a lot of things that, yeah, you can put your mind to and do them. You could go, you, I mean, you could be a dummy and put your mind to it and go get a doctorate degree probably. You get all kinds of stuff, but there are, there, there's not everything you can fix with your mind power that, not true. There's, there's some things that you cannot put your mind to and fix them. You know, it, it's just the fact of the matter. There's some things, you know, that there, no matter how smart or awesome and beautiful and brilliant you are, there will come a point in time where you go to put your mind to some situation and no, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to get down on your knees and say, Jesus, I need you. You can't get your way into heaven through your mind, can you? You know, Romans 10, 9, 10 to say, if you shall believe in your mind and confess with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. No, it says if you believe in your heart. And so the mind can be a very powerful, wonderful gift from God, but you cannot accomplish everything through your mind. That is a lie from hell. And if you if you're just convinced that you can figure everything out, it is not true. It is not true. You've got to get to a place where you let go and let God and you let God be God because you are not God. Some people may think that, but you are not God. And there are a lot of things a lot bigger and smarter than you are. And so the third thing we're going to say tonight is this, is that with belief in God, anything is possible. Now, that just sailed over 95 percent of your heads. And I say that respectfully, but a lot of you, you didn't get that. So I'm going to say this again. Because it's true, and you've heard it a million times, so you're, you're letting it fly over your heads right now, because you're, you're, you're acknowledging in your mind that this is true. But I want you to get this in your heart. Point number three, with belief in God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Okay? Don't get it up, get it in here. With belief in God, there is not one thing in this world that's impossible. He parted the Red Sea. Do you think, did Moses do that by putting his mind to it? No, the waters didn't part because he just, no, it was the power of God. How did three Hebrew children walk through a fiery furnace so hot that it killed grown men that even got close to it? Was that because they put their minds to it? No, it's because they believed in God. How did Elijah call down fire from heaven and burn up this whole thing in a matter of seconds? What was that because he put his no, it's because he believed that it was really, really going to happen. And so with belief in God, anything is possible. Matthew chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine. And I believe that some are getting this tonight. I can sense that some are getting this, some are not. Uh, But Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty eight. This is becoming more and more real to me every single day. And I've heard these stories every day of my life since I was a, since I was a little baby. But man, don't ever let these truths fly over your head. You should see something new and get something fresh out of these out of these stories in the Gospels every time you read them. Man, it should come alive on the inside of you. Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty-eight. 
verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 9, verses 28 through 30. And so this is the story of Jesus healing some blind guys. They went right into the house where he was staying and Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? So here it is again. Jesus, he knows he can do it. Do you think Jesus just needed some positive affirmation right there? You guys believe I can do it? I need a little power. No, he was asking where their faith was. He says, so do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith. It will happen. Isn't that a powerful statement right there? Because of your faith. He didn't say because of my power, although it was. That's part of it. But he said because of your faith, it'll happen. And a couple of guys that were totally blind, couldn't see a thing, were healed. Anything is possible to him who believes. And so Jesus knew he could heal this man's blindness, but he had to make them acknowledge that fact too. Okay? It wasn't that Jesus was doubting himself. He had to find out where they were and anything is possible to those who believe. I'm thinking of this story of, this was several years ago, I guess it was when Joel was a baby, but Katie and I had kind of been talking about, you know, we needed, we needed to get an additional vehicle. We just had one at the time. And so we had been talking about it and we're like, well, I guess it'd be nice to have a van. And so Katie sets out her faith and literally believes that we're going to get a van. And and so she hadn't really told me about all this because I guess my faith at the time just wasn't quite there. I didn't see how it was possible. I was looking, well, well, you know, we don't have enough money. But she didn't look at the money. She just said, Lord, we need a van, and I believe it's going to happen. And so one day I'm driving out to Fort Irwin. I did guitar lessons out there. And, and someone actually someone from the Marine base, the chaplain that was at the Marine base at the time, great man, good friend of mine still, but he calls me and says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I'm just on my way out to Fort Irwin. He says, hey, we're going to give you guys a van. And I was like, huh? Come again? He's like, we're going to give you guys a van. We've got this van. And uh, and so, you know, when you get back to Barstow, come on over. And anyway, the guy, yeah, he just, they just gave us a van. They totally just gave it to us. And, you know, signed it over and all this stuff. And then he's like, hey, um, if anything ever goes wrong with it, then he just gives me a bunch of AutoZone gift cards, like hundreds of dollars for repair. If they ever needed it, the van was fine. And then on top of it, he had like 20 bucks worth of quarters in the ashtray. He's like, you take those too. I'm like, woo! Man, thank you, Lord, for a believing wife. And so here's the difference, though, between me and Katie in this situation. OK, I was hoping for a new vehicle. She was believing she had faith that we were going to get one. There's a giant difference between hope and faith. Huge difference, okay? And most people are like, well, yeah, I hope it'll happen. Good luck. Yeah, I hope so too. But there's a huge difference because hope says, yeah, I believe God can do it. Faith says, I believe God will do it. And hope is not to be undermined. Hope is not to be taken lightly. Hope is a powerful gift from God. Because a person that's lost hope is in about the worst shape that there is. When someone's lost hope, it's a scary and sad thing to look at. Hope is a beautiful thing. First Corinthians tells us that three things will remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is always going to be there. But listen, hope does not answer your prayers. Faith does. Hope is a beautiful thing. And you've got to have hope. Hope is a precursor to faith. 
Because when you're in a bad situation, first, you've got to get hope in your heart that it's possible for God to even turn it around. And so that's the first step to getting a prayer answered is to have hope. Hope is a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful thing. Hope is awesome. And so whenever you're facing a bad situation, you've got to first get some hope. It, it sparks it in your in your heart and says, yeah, I, I believe I see that God could do this. That's the first step. It's the first thing that says there, there, it is possible for this situation to turn around. But there is a huge difference between faith and hope. And so I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse one. So hope is having a desire that things can get better. And hope is the initial spark that it's possible for your situation to be fixed. But hope is not what answers your prayers. And way too many of us, basically, our belief is in the hope stage. It hasn't made it to the true faith stage. Do you get that? A lot of us, we hope all the time. And, and we get little glimpses of faith. You know, we, we hope, yeah, man, I know God could do that. And, and yeah, I, I, yeah I, I see it. And I, I want things to change. I don't want it to be this way forever. I'd love for things to change. I, I hope that it does. And so way, way too many of us, we just live our lives in the hope realm. And that's better than being in the no hope realm. But that's not what 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 gets your prayers answered. That That is the first initial step. But that's not what's going to get your prayers answered. And so Hebrews 11, 1 and the New Living, I hope the New Living Translation did an update a couple years ago, and I don't like the way their newest version did, Hebrews 11.1. So hope, I don't know what this is going to be on the screen there, but Hebrews 11.1 in the um, first edition of the New Living Translation says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. See, the, it, it makes a difference there between faith and hope. It says, faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen it gives us an assurance about things that we can't see that's the beauty of faith you are so assured that something is going to happen even though you can't see it the rest of this world says no that is that's your fool you can't believe in something you can't you know how do you know it's going to happen how do you know and listen I know. I just know. I, I've got an assurance because faith gives us an assurance about things that we've never even seen yet. Isn't that powerful? And so way too many of us, we're, you know, we're struggling, man. And Jesus said, only just believe. Just believe. And we're right here saying, well, I, I hope so. And Brother Hagen told, you know, told the story about he, some lady came up into his line and said, I need, I need prayer for the, whatever her situation was. And he said, okay, I'm getting ready to pray for you. Do, do you believe that God's going to fix your situation? She says, I sure hope so. He says, never mind. Did someone else want prayer? And, and, and she's like, hey, I, I still wanted prayer. He said, well, if you're just hoping for it, that's not enough. It's not going to happen. You've got to believe that when we pray, something is going to happen right here. And he told this story I was just reading in one of the books back there this morning. Um, 
he had this pastor friend that used to always use this phrase. Well, I'm just a hoping and a believing. I'm hoping and believing. And just all the time, hoping and believing. And so one time this pastor comes up to him and says, man, I've been presented with a very, very amazing offer. There's this wealthy businessman in our town. He doesn't even go to the church here. But he has offered to give me his house up in the mountains. The only problem is his wife just isn't quite on board with it yet. So he said he'd let me know in 30 days. And Brother Hagin said, okay, let's pray about it. Do you, do you believe that God's going to do this? Well, I'm hoping and believing. And he said, nah, never mind. Let's not even. And, and the guy said, well, what? I'm, I'm hoping that, that it'll work out. And he explained the difference, man. Hoping is not going to change anything. Anybody can hope. And, and everybody should have some sort of hope. But hope doesn't answer prayers. It's a wonderful thing. But he said, until you believe that something's going to happen, I'm not even going to waste my words and the oxygen to pump my lungs for this thing. It's a waste of time until you can get somebody to truly believe that God's going to do something. It's I'm sorry. Most of the time, it's just a waste of time. They've got to have a true belief in their heart that God's going to do something. And so he got the guy on board with this. He, he, he got him to see the difference. And the guy said, I get it now. Yeah, I believe we're going to pray. And this amazing gift is going to happen for me. I believe it. Two days later, the, the guy calls, hey, the house is yours. Go get it, man. Here's the keys. I'm going to sign it right off. And isn't that incredible? But when too many of us were stuck in the hope realm, we've got to get out of hope and get into faith. And I'm ready for us to start seeing way more results than what we're seeing. I'm ready for us to start seeing some of these things the Bible talked about. I'm ready to start seeing that. I'm ready to start seeing some of the things that we've seen in times gone by. But the difference is if we've got to get faith. We've got to get true Bible believing in our hearts and out of our minds. It's got to get deep down in here because then when it doesn't look like anything's happening if it's in your heart you say i don't i don't care what it looks like right now it's happening i don't care what it looks like jesus already paid the price for my healing i don't care what it's looking like it doesn't matter to me see if i care i don't care because i know what the word of god says about the situation if you don't have it in your heart and it's only in your mind when it doesn't look like things are happening you're going to be like peter you're going to sink right through the water you've got to get it in your heart. And so I remind us of Colossians 1.23. Don't wander away from the assurance you received when you first heard the word on the situation. And if it takes, I mean, you staying up all through the night to get this into your heart. If it, if it takes every, every available moment of every day for the next month of just Bible, 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 for you to finally get it truly in your heart and out of your mind. Listen, if that's what it takes, do it. Because it's going to work. It is going to work. Faith works. It is an assurance that you've got to get it out of your mind and into your heart. Jesus said, just believe. Anything's possible to him that believes. And so we've got to get this in our hearts. Are you, do you understand that tonight? Do you get that? So let's let's make this our priority and our goal to just quit saying, oh, I know anything's possible to him. I, yep, hey, I heard that. I, I get it. No. And say, no, you are right, man. Anything's possible to him who believes, and I believe. Amen? All right, well, let's go ahead and end there, because I'm going to keep rattling on and on all night long if I don't shut up right now. Okay. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight.
And we're going to close out in a worship song. But whatever it is that you've been hoping for, let's start getting this into the realm of faith and truly being assured that it's going to happen in your lives. Amen. So, Josh, lead us in a song here tonight. Close us out. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. We'd love to pray for you. And we are going to see the power of God work in your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.